Welcome to another episode of the Life Optimization Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis. We have a really special episode today. I am joined in person by a very dear friend. His name is Tyler Tolman. And we've known each other for, I want to say, almost like 10 years through the internet. And um, we did a podcast when this first started, uh, maybe like 2013 or 2014, when I was just kind of like dabbling with this whole podcast idea, doing these little offshoot interviews. And then, um, and yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've been watching you over the years. And I first got connected to you through your father, Don Tolman, who's like a legendary figure in the holistic health community. I kind of liken him to someone like maybe a Paul Bragg, mm-hmm. like really in the, the pioneer, one of the pioneers of like, you know, our generation and, and the David Wolf generation and like the raw food and fasting and the rational fasting, what we now call like intermittent fasting and even like the superfood revolution and all the things that we may even take it for granted, really, because we just have so much abundance of it in our culture now. Um, but I really just have a lot of reverence for your father and then getting connected with you and you're really embodying those teachings, but taking it to another level. Mm-hmm. And um, so really happy to have you here in person mm-hmm. and to drop in and dive deep. Yeah, um, it's exciting to connect with you in the flesh for sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you know until you're actually in that personal experience it's hard to know like kind of energetically and i think we've hit it off straight away Mm -hmm. and yeah i've 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 been watching your journey i think ever since uh you know david wolf times way back i remember you know moving to california and going to dr kassar's place Mm -hmm. and like sharing the fdr with dr kassar and we had an amazing connection (laughs) and then i connected with david wolf and it was an awesome connection there and course he was you know at the forefront of like sharing all this information and Mm -hmm. cacao and Mm -hmm. raw foods and yeah super inspiring i'd say you know back then it was like david wolf was embodying what we were kind of teaching yeah and my dad of course had been through all this stuff and i was starting to kind of teach it but not fully embodying it yet Mm -hmm. and then yeah i just kind of noticed you i think around that time and then just have been watching your evolution and process and Mm -hmm. wanting to connect and then uh, moving back from Bali after 10 years of running fasting programs and doing my best to assist people through the healing process. Uh, you know, my mother got sick, came back to the United States. And then I just heard this little bird in my ear, like Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas. I'm like, what is this Austin, Texas? Mm -hmm. And so we literally just like bought a big fifth wheel trailer and a truck and came to Texas (laughs) You know, I'm like, and then months later, after we're grounded and everything else, I'm like, oh, Rondi Landis, like, lives here. So I send you a message, yeah. and you're like, what? You're in Austin? <laughs> like, so it's it's definitely good to connect and come down and, and be a part of this and, and share. Yeah, brother. Yeah, it's like really perfect timing, like total synchronicity, too, mm-hmm. that you came from Bali, and we were just dropping in on that because me and my partner are getting ready to move to Bali. Yeah. And yeah, we we could just talk for for a long time about just the auspiciousness of the times that we're in. I do want to get into that. But there is something really interesting happening at different points in the world. Austin, for whatever reason, being one of these like magnetic vortexes that is pulling a lot Mm. of people together. And then I think Bali definitely seems to be one of those places, um, many other points in the world. But you know, with that said, I think it's a it's a good opportunity to open up a conversation that I wanted to probe in with you about like integrating the last two years because we're in 2022, we're moving into 2023, and we are like moving through a collective psychosis, like carrier wave of sorts. And for me, I, for I think for all of us, like the last two years have been the most like powerful transformative years on on many levels like really watching the world go into this spiral of insanity which i suppose underneath the surface this has been it's like swelling up especially if 
people have been tuned into more conspiratorial topics and um you know it's just been like underneath the surface and i could feel it i think in like 2016 i started to feel the underswell and i could feel my own existential concerns and, and pressure and i didn't really know exactly what that was other than just my own unique spiritual kind of process mm. but then 2020 it kind of just all spilled out and it was like right in all of our face mm. and uh it was a, it's been a deep process for all of us i'm i'm curious mm. for you like what's what what's been your either your process or your perspective <clears throat> personally and also collectively um especially with the work that you do like what's been going on since yeah so <laughs> Yes, a lot there. Um, I would say that, you know, I've had a calling in my life since a young age. I went through the process of, you know, living the traditional standard American lifestyle, going to the traditional public school, you know, the McDonald's, this and that. But having a father that was completely the opposite to that. So I was raised mm -hmm. by my mother and in kind of the American society brainwashing, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. you know, conditioning process to be an American. And at the age of like 12, 13, had an experience with my father where he was taking people out on these big extended fasting and awakening types of programs uh, and experiences that would get people to really wake up and then become empowered and heal themselves and mm -hmm. take on a new path. Mm -hmm. And so since a very young age, uh, I was exposed to it. At 16, I became really depressed because I was in and out. And then at 16, I actually fully committed to being of service, fully committed to like, you know what? I, I want to be a good person. Mm -hmm. I want to be of service. I, I don't want to smoke. I don't want to drink. I don't want to be, you know, excessively doing all these things because I didn't like myself. Mm -hmm. And so I committed to loving myself at 16 and, mm -hmm. and went on this pathway and, and really learned a lot from the master Don Tolman stayed with him for, you know, seven to 10 years, just being of service to him and his message. And then at some point it, it became time for me to step out and really go shout from the mountaintops mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And so I have been shouting from the mountaintops to the public around Australia and around the world online whenever I can. Hey guys, we need to wake up. We need to become empowered. We need to become aware of the systems in place and the finances and the pharmaceutical companies and all the things that are happening because they're becoming more powerful, you know, and it's going to come to a head at some point. So I've been, you know, educating people on the basics for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Base principles of health, air, water, sunshine, exercise, whole foods, relationships, and passion, and really going mm. deep into each one of these areas, how we breathe, what kind of water are we drinking, what kind of food are you consuming, what's your relationships like, are you actually living your passion and your mission? Because if you're not doing those things, that leads to depression, that leads okay. to anxiety, it leads to all this stuff. So I've been doing that, and you know, 2020 was this, you know, I see it as 2020 vision. Mm-hmm. And my dad talked about it. And I really felt it like, man, something's going to shift in 2020. And, but it's going to be a good thing. And so I, I'm like, hey, guys, everybody needs to get prepared for 2020. It's going to be this awakening, but whatever. So with what like you were saying is I feel like society as a whole has been very unconscious and, and just kind of doing things and just taking mm -hmm. drugs and mm -hmm. like, oh, and, you know, some little awakenings, and, but just asleep just in general. Just kind of numbing out. Yeah. Just kind of numb and like, you know, everything's kind of gray. It's like, for me, it's black and white. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for people like yeah, you, yeah. it's black and white. Yeah. But for everybody else, it's been this gray area where it's almost like we needed this massive trauma to separate the gray and really become black and white. And, you know, one of the journeys that I've taken aside from my father's teachings has been the ancient Egyptian teachings through my teacher named Dr. Ramses Salim, born and raised in Egypt and taken into the underground, like true teachings mm. of, of true mm. ancient Egypt mm -hmm. and where they come mm -hmm. from in Atlantis and high civilization and technologies and consciousness. And my teacher always said there's, there's a process every human being will go through. And it's an awakening and then a purification and an activation. They mm -hmm. actually had a triangle of earth, which is the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And then there's a triangle of heaven. And once you complete the, the pyramid of earth, it's like this pyramid of heaven descends. 
and we become like this mm-hmm. more whole, <clears throat> true mm-hmm. human, which is like a hue refers to the God, if you look into the history of it, more of like a God-man type of state. But the, the number one step was awakening. And so, you know, my teacher would say, people are asleep. And when we hear of like the Book of the Dead from mm-hmm. the Egyptians, that's not the name of the book. That's a misinterpretation. It's called the Book of Coming Forth by Day or the Book of Awakening. So the Book of the Dead has nothing to do with dead people. It has everything to do with teaching humanity that we come into this world and it's easy to fall asleep and get caught up in the illusion. Mm. Okay? And it was the high priests and pharaohs and the hierarchy of true ancient Egypt, their job was to keep the people awake and put them on this new path mm. of black mm. and white mm-hmm. so that you know we could stay awake and evolve and, and really fulfill the purpose and reason why we're here. So in this process of like this Egyptian pyramid, the awakening, there's three ways that we wake up. They say one way to wake up is to be in the presence of a true master. Mm-hmm. And by being in the mm-hmm. presence of the true master and listening and, and actually doing what the master mm-hmm. tells us to do, the, the master is somebody who's embodying and living mm-hmm. and doing. Just their energy and vibration from doing that has an effect. It's of like waking. an apprenticeship yes. initiatory process. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, even when you say this, like initiatory apprenticeship Padawan, uh-huh, yeah. like the true ancient, ancient Egyptians were called the Dejedi. Interesting. Interesting. So there's this thing called the Dejed Pillar. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Dejed Pillar of ancient Egypt, there's three main logos that repeat themselves. Any Egyptian studies you do, there's three logos. There is one called an Ankh, which is what I'm wearing around my neck which is a symbol of life, regeneration, and health, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's an energetic system within our body. It's male and female connection. It's all these things. Then there's one called the Uaz, or Wazti Scepter, which is the scepter of power. And then they have this thing called the Dejed Pillar. And the Dejed Pillar, I don't want to go too deep into it now, but you'll only see the Dejed Pillar on like the highest of Pita, Osiris, Horus, mm-hmm. like the guys that really were making it. And when I say guys, like, you know, we see all of this as, oh, that was the mythological yeah, time. You're right, right. But right. no, the reason we say it's mythological, because all of the Egyptian history, we, we know they had the best recording of time. Mm-hmm. We know that they mm-hmm. were detailed and everything. And so Egyptologists will accept everything up until uh-huh. a certain point. Right. But then they say, oh, well, everything beyond this point is mythological. Why? Because everything beyond that point was human beings living for a thousand years, living for nine thousand years. Like it says that Pita, the original ruler of Egypt, ruled for nine thousand years. Okay, well, we can't accept that, so that's all mythol- myth- mm. mythology. Yeah. But they were called the Dejedi. And so they were here essentially to assist humanity into the process of, of gaining these processes of healer and regeneration and empowered Mm -hmm. and then eventually raising the Dejed pillar and becoming a Dejedi. Mm -hmm. And I believe truly that George Lucas Mm. was either a seer, and I think that he is, uh, and also in contact with Joseph Campbell and some others Mm -hmm. who were big researchers Mm -hmm. of the true hero's journey. And the word hero Mm -hmm. is the actual original name (laughs) of Horus in the Egyptian. So Horus is, you know, the son of Osiris that, you know, Osiris was killed by Set. Mm -hmm. And so you have this battle of good and evil. And then Horus is born, has to go through this entire like hero's Mm -hmm. journey of of success. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the stories are actually a lot more true than what we might actually know. That reminds me, like, that split between those, like, bloodlines, timelines reminds me of, like, the Christian biblical allegory of the Canaanites and the Adamites Mm. and the the seed of Lucifer being in the same birth cycle as the seed of Adam. Mm -hmm. And then Cain and Abel, and then that Mm -hmm. split between the two. Yeah, where you have light and dark and the first, Mm -hmm. you know, major sin of killing and all of this. Right, right. So, you know, coming back to this process of awakening, 
there was three things. Number one was being in the presence of a master. <clears throat> Number two, there was something called the ancient Egyptian physical culture. And so they had a very specific series of kind of like movements and exercise, stretching, strengthening, postures, toning, uh, and martial arts that if you would learn the Egyptian, ancient Egyptian physical culture and do that consistently, that would also wake you up. Mm -hmm. so, so even if you didn't have the presence of a master, as long as you learn the physical, and the truth is like, it doesn't have to be exact. You know, someone like yourself, black belt, mm -hmm. you know, highest level Taekwondo, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know that the physical, when you're really committed to the physical and doing it, it wakes you up. Like yeah. you have yeah. insights and understanding <clears throat> and connection with your body and groundedness and ability to move through time and space. Like there's an awakening that happens for sports athletes mm -hmm. and for people mm -hmm. like yourself. And so that's awesome. Uh, but what I would say to that is awakening is the first step yeah. and then the second step is the purification mm. so people can wake up but they will go throughout their life of this process of waking up and falling asleep and waking up and <laughs> falling asleep um, and if they take on the purification process and get that activation like you know so many people in our community do they realize oh I need to purify this body mm. and, and become activated and consistent in this awakening right mm -hmm. and then there's this evolutionary process that comes from it uh, but number three, if you don't find a master to get into the presence of to wake up, if you don't adopt a physical, regular sculpture, culture to wake up, number three is either trauma or disaster. Mm, mm. So that's another thing that wakes people like up. Like forced awakening. Totally. Yeah. You know, if somebody close to you dies, you lose your job or your house burns down or some major kind of trauma, what happens? You immediately like wake up, have this awakening of like, oh my God, what have I been, been doing? I need to get my shit together. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. all this happens. And so, you know, what I've seen is through the process of shouting from the mountaintops, like, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. And, you know, obviously, you know, some people taking it on, but what I find in, in humanity in general is people are comfortable in their sleeping state mm -hmm. and unless they're driven by pain mm -hmm. or some kind of pleasure as you know um, then then a lot of people really haven't wanted to wake up mm. and so I have felt like come on guys come on guys what are we doing here like come together and of course there's been a, a, a you know a culture and community of people that's been growing of what I would say is the few you know, becoming more a number, but then with 2020 hitting and this mm. pandemic and lockdowns mm. and forced vaccinations and can't travel and rights taken and all this stuff, it is the trauma mm -hmm. that is needed <clears throat> to wake people up. Yeah. And hopefully we can show them the next level of that awakening, which needs to be this purification, true purification mm. experience that will lead to the activation mm -hmm. of many 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 more human beings so that we can mm -hmm. get in get through this and anchor a new energy yeah yeah it's a beautiful framework to set and so detoxification cleansing purification um that's a that's a multi-dimensional kind of process right and then so we start with the physical body my model is that we start with the physical body we end with the physical body our human experience is being experienced and interpreted through the nervous system the sensory system which is allowing us to interface with the external world and so a lot of people especially in the spiritual community they they disembody from the physical body mm -hmm. either because they don't know how to engage with it they avoid it there's addictions there's trauma responses whatever have you and they don't know or they're not able to fully ground into their physical body and do that physical work or they get caught up in some kind of new age pseudo spiritual yeah that's right yeah spiritual bypass and yeah. just like i'm just going to ascend out of my body and out of this 3d world it's all mm. it's all maya it's all an illusion <laughs> i'm just going to ascend up into the heavens but still you're still here in this physical body in this matrix yeah so you can't actually escape outside of the regions of your the recesses of your mind mm. so people get very mental and live in that mental mm. realm um what's your your perspective on that and I, i'm just curious like to kind of break this down for people listening, this purification process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the ancient Egyptians 
said we are here to fully understand the spiritual reasons behind all of matter mm. right we're, we're here to understand like I have this physical body okay well what's what's the actual spiritual reason for it what is the organization of this body and can I learn about higher levels through knowing myself mm-hmm. you know we've heard it so many different times that the kingdom of heaven is within you mm-hmm. and this is like the perfect organization essentially uh, it was taught by the ancient Egyptian cultures that we come here to receive the physical body and then really raise it into um, fully becoming merged with spirit. It's like mm-hmm. we have this higher spiritual, call it a soul, call it they called it the ba. Okay, we have like the ka in our body and the, and the ba is like the soul. And if you look at a lot of the statues, it was like when the Ba would descend and merge with the physical mm-hmm. body, that's mm-hmm. the ultimate experience. Mm-hmm. We're here for a reason. Matter actually matters, and that's why it's called mm-hmm. matter. So we're here to receive this vessel that is the perfect form that is represented of my higher self. Like if you could truly see my higher self, you are seeing my higher self in the physical, Mm. but the more in tune I am with my higher self, my soul, the more I embody and look is similar. And then essentially I'm here to merge those things. So I'm fully Mm. speaking Mm. to you Mm. through the spirit. Now imagine like, you know, this is, you know, this low level dense, uh, body that is has been separated from the soul. Like obviously, he's not fu- ever going to fully separate it because we're mm-hmm. connected mm-hmm. through specific aspects of ourselves. But it's like I'm like this physical matter prism that's maybe dirty. Okay, and so as I wake mm-hmm. up to realizing what I am, mm-hmm. and then like, oh, you know what? The more pure I am, the more I become present. The more this connection starts to build and grow and I start to receive information from my higher self which is more in tune with the God self like in tune with God and connect direct Mm. connection with Mm. the divine where it's like that's the medium in between so we'll start to realize that as I purify it's like removing the dross from a prism so that when the light hits it we're fully seeing that beautiful rainbow and to some degree it is like the the white light that's coming in is refracting into these seven colors and then this also as above so below is the experience of my endocrine system my Mm. seven endocrine glands Mm. and each one of these glands that we've learned are called chakras or chakras Mm -hmm. you know are like are the evolutionary process that i need to go through to work through all of my fears and grief and mm-hmm. you know sadness of mm-hmm. separation all the stuff mm-hmm. um so you know it might be getting a little no, bit this, no this is deep beautiful here, but, no this is perfect yeah so yeah you know essentially i believe we are here to go through this process now when you talk about specific details mm-hmm. of purification mm-hmm. the ancient egyptians had a very specific way of living their life okay like nobody in egypt ate breakfast okay right. they said if you're right. gonna eat breakfast breaking the fast Mm -hmm. they would break the fast typically at midday Mm -hmm. when the sun is highest in the sky they knew that's Mm. when the fire of your digestive system is ready to receive an offering Um, and we can talk about specifically what those things are but it's like the whole culture was taught and you know the problem that i feel is anytime i talk about ancient egypt there's so much indoctrination. Totally. It's like, oh, didn't they die when they were like 20? And oh, weren't they all doing... Like all of what we know mm-hmm. about ancient Egypt was after like the fall of Egypt. It was well and truly done. Okay. And like 600 BC, you know, the Persians came in and then the mm. Romans came in and then the Greeks came in and like, you know, basically yeah. overtook Egypt. Well, that makes sense. Just I'm just... Like, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking about, like, I went in 2020 and 2021, I went really deep into exploring kind of the underbelly of Luciferianism Mm. and the reality of, like, what we would call Satanism or satanic ritual abuse and, and, and and kind of going back through the timeline of different cultures and to see how this cult 
Hmm. had spread throughout the world. And so that was one of the things that I started to realize with a lot of like, I guess, you know, certain Egyptian teachings or the overlay, like this Luciferic overlay. And then, of course, you go through these extremes of like, oh, my God, like this is everywhere. This is like I've been everything's been distorted. And then you start to balance out and realize like it's not quite all or nothing. There's there's elements of light and dark of course everywhere every religion every culture has amazing pieces to the puzzle puzzle right right? and light and beauty and then also this like you're saying overlay of dark and things that have been distorted Mm -hmm. so what i would go back to especially from the egyptian side of things is for people to realize that osiris was an actual being here on earth Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. ruling over egypt and really spreading consciousness and light and life and teachings for humans to become activated and really embody their higher soul selves fully in this life. Mm-hmm. And there was, so there was, you know, and even timelines are hard to talk about, but I'm just going to say sure. it, there was tens of thousands of years of a high level of consciousness and growth and, and people living with no military and no mm-hmm. police and like, you know, really doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then you got to understand that Set was an mm-hmm. actual individual mm-hmm. that was probably this individual that became jealous and had these issues and didn't work through his lower yeah. So that he represents stuff. more this Luciferian kind of, if we were using that kind of model. So Set's name in Egyptian was Satanaku. <laughs> uh-huh. Satanaku. Uh-huh. Okay, so where does Satan come from? If you go to the, to the original name of Set, it's Satanaku, like Satanaku, wow. right? And but shortened it up, just called Set. Yeah. Okay, represented by like these this horned, dark, you know, mm-hmm. kind of individual mm-hmm. who was out in the desert and basically jealous jealous of his brother who was the ruler over you know the beautiful lands of the Nile and Egypt. He's very and familiar else. to the the Cain and Abel allegory totally and all the a lot of these stories are repeated in different ways by different cultures like archetypal cycles totally interesting yes and it's like you know just because this thing happened what if every new age that we're moving uh-huh, through like uh-huh. we were replaying this story of the good and the bad and then you know the the hero's journey so that we're moving through these these different yeah. kind of energies like nothing new ages. under the sun it's totally. the same story playing but a, out. But a different uh, genre. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Aquarian totally. genre. The yeah. Pisces. You know, we had uh-huh. Jesus and John and the Roman Empire and all of this. You know what I mean? So wild. So getting back to that, it's like when Set killed uh, Osiris, it was there was a huge change in Egypt. And it's a really dark energy and it was about control and manipulation and wealth and materialism. Mm-hmm. Big time. And so that dominated Egypt and a new energy came in where you had a lot of the priests like, okay, let's go this route then. And a lot of them like, oh shit, this isn't good. And so you had these divisions and factions of Essenes going over here Mm -hmm. and Druids over here, which were remnants of the original Did Jedi Mm -hmm. order that was, Mm -hmm. you know, the light side of the force, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Now, when Horus came back and eventually overtook Set... He tried to reestablish all the good within Egypt. Every pharaoh after that for many thousands of years was called uh, Shemzu Heru, like Shemzu Hero, uh, the friends of Horus. Mm. And so those are the rulers for a period of time. But then the energy came back in and you see Seti the first and Seti the second and these new rulers that came in. It's like this dark energy was taking over. And so then, you know, I'm a big believer that as this darkness was coming in, there was some realizations of like, we're going to go through some massive cataclysms on Earth. And that's pretty much where kind of the floods came through. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is everybody kind of like, all right, well, we're out of here and we're just going to let whatever is supposed to happen, happen. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were, you know, guardians and people that stuck around that over time have been slowly disseminating the truth and information. Mm -hmm. Very rare to find somebody. But Dr. Salim, I believe, was one of these people, which is why I like dedicated, you know, flying halfway around the world and spending as much time as I could with this guy while I'm also trying to build a business and running programs, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I probably could have given it a lot more energy had I known that he was, you know, ready to leave this world Mm. as well. Um, But essentially, 
I believe that this Luciferian Setanaku energy basically dominated and at some point fully took over and has, you know, it's, it's clutches into the highest levels of government and people mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. around the world for a very long time. And we're coming to a point <laughs> where, you know, enough people are starting to wake up. We're coming into a completely new cycle. And I think this entire Jedi piece is going to be mm-hmm. reintroduced of getting people to go through this specific purification process mm-hmm. to bring about our awakening mm-hmm. and gain these, you know, onk regeneration and healing ourselves, owning our power with you know, grasping the scepter of power and then raising the Dijed pillar and becoming these Dijedi again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the first half of my life has been committed to healing, healing, health, and teaching. And you got to understand if you look at the ancient Dijedi, they were healers, teachers, and then warriors and magicians. So it's like the left-hand path and the right-hand path. Mm. And if you look at all the statues of the Egyptians, they have their left foot forward. Mm-hmm. They're standing in a certain way. That's one of their first like rituals, these huge statues. And they're showing that first we need to embrace the left-hand path, heal ourselves, mm. go through that process. And then at some point we really adopt this more, you know, it might be a taboo word, but more moving into the magician and warrior aspect mm-hmm. of things. And I think that a lot of mystery schools today and even, you know, different awesome things like Kundalini and these sorts of things are more so this kind of right hand magician and warrior path that I think we need to be mindful mm-hmm. of really embracing mm-hmm. the healing and teacher and heart space first so that we don't get too caught up in magician warrior and become you right, know, right. Seth Lords, right. Sith Lords, mm, you know, where mm-hmm. it becomes service to self and I'm all powerful and look at me and how much money can I get and how much can I manipulate and control. It's really important that we go through these purification activation process, opening our heart and fully mm-hmm. being of service to <laughs> others before really taking on this kind of magician warrior path to make sure we're using that for the right kind of energy and space. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the inner alchemy process Hmm. that we're all going through. Hmm. And I mean, there's, there's, there's like so much that we could probe into and you just really gave like a perfect summation Hmm. of what's been going on and what is currently going on on this planet and the the unique process that each one of us gets to go through and i guess that's like a great place to move into like what it what does that look like practically for each one of us obviously each person has their unique process Hmm. but uh, as far as your work goes like what do you guide people through in their own inner alchemy process in their purification process and and being able to integrate this wisdom into their their practical Life. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I'm a believer that fasting, detox, um, and really activation, purification mm-hmm. has been a part of human history for thousands and thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of years. For especially the greatest of greats, you know, Pythagoras and Plato and Socrates and Da Vinci and Gandhi and all these great individuals that we know about mm-hmm. have always had this practice of, you know, fasting from all things distractions and stress and processes Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. retreating to a degree into a space of just like who am i and what am i here for and what am i doing and just like getting rid of all things food and everything and just like being present and and detoxing um you know and i think that fasting is is detox when you first do it right right yeah. <laughs> it's like this huge detoxification uh-huh. and healing processes that happen but then eventually it becomes more of like a a restful spiritual awakening beautiful process you know and it's unfortunate that a lot of people's association with fasting is pain and sickness and puking and mm-hmm. dying <laughs> but that's just the removal of <laughs> acids and toxicities and all the things mm-hmm. that are in the mm-hmm. world that we could get into. Yeah. But what I like to do is inspire people to come back to a situation 
of honoring the body and giving the body time to renew and regenerate. And I believe that if, if people could get inspired enough, look at the science, look at the ancient history and start to adopt some practice once a year at least of doing some form of like seclusion and fasting and going within, they would start to discover something within themselves and find their own motivational, inspirational factors that would mm. set them onto a path that would bring them into a situation of being more passionate and really, you know, stepping into their mission, so mm-hmm. to speak. And anytime you're in that positive vibration, typically you'll you'll find what works for you from a nutritional perspective and everything else, and you'll have your own kind of awakenings. But what I do is I, I train coaches. Uh, we call them Tolman Health Coaches. Mm-hmm. My last name Tolman goes back to Stonehenge, where there was a whole group of healers and all these things happening. So. You know, over 10 years of running these major detoxification fasting programs in Bali with people with cancer and heart Mm. disease and autoimmune conditions and you name it. Mm. And that's what I did with a doctor and all kinds of other healers for many years. You learn a lot. And so now I'm teaching these coaches and I have coaches around the world and we'll look in people's eyes. So we do the iridology, Mm. also the sclerology because the whites of your eyes will actually tell you more about what's happening right now. Interesting. Um, whereas iridology is more of a genetic history. Uh, uh-huh. So it's important to marry the two because somebody might have already been through all this healing and you look at their eyes and you're still going to see all the old stuff. Mm-hmm. So the whites are actually very important. And you know we can look at people's blood chemistry and see if there's deficiencies or toxicities or things that are going on. And then we, want, we guide people specifically for you know if you've got a liver weakness or a kidney weakness mm-hmm. or a lung weakness mm-hmm. or a skin problem will help guide them mentally and emotionally to make the connection of what's going on, but then also on a nutritional foundation. When I say nutritional, like we're really heavily focused on detoxification and regeneration Mm -hmm. and then getting people on the right path of nutrition. But then it's like, look, you know, once you purify yourself and you deal with some of these weaknesses and you're having a better experience and we give you the basic set of nutrition, then it's up to you to kind of find your own way. Find your lane. Yeah, you know, yeah. find the supplements that work or find the the dietary principles that work and people mm-hmm. might have to explore a couple of different things to, you know, discover what that is for them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our focus is looking at individuals and how can we give them a massive event. Mm-hmm. And it is. Like you put somebody on an event like a four-day colon <laughs> cleanse and teach them how to do enemas and skin cleaning and breathing exercises and mm-hmm. et cetera and put them on a 28-day juice fast. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be an awakening. Totally. And you will never be the same. And you will always know the, the energy and vitality and cleanliness that you'll feel from that event. So that for the rest of your life, if you are kind of bouncing around, you'll always have something to go back to. Yeah. To like yeah. Right. Clean yourself out, <clears throat> activate again, and get back mm-hmm. on track, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay, that that's amazing. And there's like two things that are coming up that I want to get your take on. So... What what's your perspective on plant based versus like including animal products? Because this is this is you know obviously been a topic for many years. I think yeah. more so in the recent couple of years. Yeah. Um. I was a raw foodist for three and a half years, and then was a vegetarian for about ten years, yeah. and then in twenty twenty. Um, I got a strong signal from my body that it was time to make a shift and start including grass-fed, grass-finished animal products. And that was like a very deep, like shamanic, initiatory process for me. And I can't even really explain how it manifested, but it just kind of clicked. And I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time to run an experiment. And I did, and it was profoundly powerful is unavoidably obvious that this was like my next step Mm. in my nutritional journey I had a whole deep like emotional process around the whole thing Um, and it changed my life my health and just really grounded it anchored me and it felt like it was it was calling me to kind of step more into this warrior energy which was interesting because it happened in February Mm. and then in March Everything starts going down with the COVID lockdowns, the whole mass psychosis, like fear, fear, (laughs) everything. And so it was like, it was just very interesting that came through. Um, But I'm I'm curious what like your, either your experience or your perspectives on those kind of seeming dichotomies. Yeah. 
Yeah, I appreciate the question. It's a it's a very highly charged mm-hmm. conversation, right? So, uh, from my experience, just so you're aware, my dad was always vegetarian. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I decided, you know, not through personal choice, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I had a personal experience, so I was always like. Yeah, great. You're you're a vegetarian dad, but I'm not interested. I'm just going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. But always eating with my dad, have my mom and all the good foods. Mm-hmm. Eventually, having certain foods, I just felt this. It actually all hit me at once. Yeah. I had this one experience where I just felt absolutely sick, and I had this connection with the animals. And of course, it probably wasn't the greatest thing, you know. And so I just in a, in like a single moment, I knew I'm done eating animals. T- totally. And yeah. that was at 16, 16 years of age. Yeah. Okay. So meeting David Wolf and like you guys and everything in California that was going on, I was super inspired because that's what I hold is like the ultimate raw food and fresh, you know, raw, like, you know, ancient Egypt raw and like it's, it's alive and it's this and it all makes sense. Right. And I've also been the type of individual that's not quick to just jump into things. I look at that and I'm like, okay, yes, it feels right. You know, I'm I'm looking up to all these people and maybe in 10 to 20 years, Mm. because life is a long time and Mm -hmm, I'm still young, mm -hmm. maybe I'll move towards Mm -hmm. that because I've been aware my whole life of this pendulum. And I know because when I go out and fast for an extended period of time, it's like you're pushing the pendulum out and you're having all this growth and consciousness and things happening. And then as soon as you stop the fast, the pendulum tends to swing almost like an equal opposite the other way. Totally. Yeah. And I know that mastery is our ability to, to, to rise above the pendulum of swinging, you know, mm-hmm. the ocean's mm-hmm. in, it's out, it's in, it's out. And see it and anchor yourself on the positive end of the pole. But that's what a master does. And at these times, I knew I wasn't a master, okay? I'm in the process as a young Padawan. Mm-hmm. And so even though I was super inspired by David Wolf and by all these people in this community mm-hmm. and everything that's going on, mm-hmm. I never fully was like I'm, I'm gonna be a raw foodist right, or, i'm gonna be right. a vegan or mm-hmm. i'm gonna do this puritan type mm-hmm. of thing um which i think is great um but i would dabble yeah. so i'd say look i'm gonna do 30 day raw and i'd eat pulse and drink water and exercise and do th- i'm gonna do 30 days raw food mm-hmm. and i do that like once a year and during the times i was doing that i felt absolutely amazing felt like a superhero and i used to always talk about this and kind of joke like man you know, every time I did it, I felt like a superhero at the end. Well, why did I stop? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. well, I said it was 30 days. So after 30 days, I just kind of went back. But I've been doing this for a long time. And I feel that, you know, even though I've been doing it maybe a little bit hard on myself, like, oh, why can't I? Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't mm-hmm. really trying, <laughs> wasn't really committed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the meat thing. It's yeah. like once I, I was like, that's done. That was it. Yeah. yeah, it was like a line in the sand. I've never mm-hmm. really had these other lines in the sand um, besides, that, of course, Whatever. So this whole time, and now I'm, you know, 43, got a grandson that's four years old. Wow. I'm still vegetarian. Uh Uh-huh. But the evolution from 16 until now has been slightly healthier, slightly healthier, Mm -hmm. slightly healthier, Mm -hmm. slightly Mm -hmm. healthier, really healthy, a little bit off track. Really healthy, a little bit off track. Living in Bali, easy. Fresh fruits, juices, smoothies, Mm -hmm. everything provided, awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, lose the house, move over here, stuff, a little bit stressed. You know, eating at some sandwich shops and doing some things. Mm -hmm. Not super, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And you know what? My physical practice is better than it's ever been. I'm doing Mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu three, four Mm -hmm. times a week. I'm doing taekwondo a couple Mm -hmm. times a week. I'm doing breath work and ice bath and sauna and like wow. I got all the things wow. you know what I mean I've set myself up again and now that I'm set up after four or five months now the nutrition side's improving and I'm starting to do mm-hmm. you know and, and between all this there's been like 10 day water fast seven day juice fast colon cleansing oh, another 10 day water fast 14 day water fast out in nature super secluded like mm-hmm. downloads and this and that and so all this conversation at the end of the day, where I am right now is just like, I feel like eating really healthy, listening to my body. And when stress is high, sometimes we need some things to right. buffer right, right. that stress. Otherwise, it expresses in other ways. Um, you know, currently I'm okay with good quality animal products mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, if I could find some good goat cheese, 
mm-hmm. um, or like actual raw goat milk or even regular milk, I probably would consume it. Yeah. Uh, because it's not where I am now in my life and where I have been. It's not been readily available. I just don't do it. Right. Uh, but the you know free range supposedly good organic healthy eggs mm-hmm. is something that I feel at times mm-hmm. I'm like you know what there's something going on for me I feel like I need some eggs and I have no problem with that so I'll have some eggs yeah and I might even be like eggs 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 and then it's just like and I'm turned off. off yeah and then I'm like a couple of months yeah and then all of a sudden it's like oh you know what and you know I'm very physical like I'm like I said like uh Shanji Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. Ribeiro mm-hmm. like I'm with the, the toughest guys in the world in there like learning and rolling and you see the marks on my body yeah. getting beat up and yeah but i i believe i've transitioned into being able to really ground from plant-based mm-hmm. whereas somebody like what i'm doing physically now if i was doing that back when i was 16 or 20 or whatever and trying to eat the plant-based cleanliness mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. that i am now i don't think it would have worked I think I would have needed more density uh, at those times. So I think that it's important for people to realize that there is a long kind of transition. Like I believe seven, we are composed of the last seven years of what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And you do need to take in, um, you know, factors. I think that there's, nobody truly has the answer. No, no, absolutely. Let me just put it out. I figured that out over all these years. If somebody says, I have the answer and this is the way. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe yeah. take it on and try it, but yeah. just be mindful. And this is why I say, like, I like to guide people through major healing experiences, give them a, a foundation of plant-based mm-hmm. and say, let's mm-hmm. let's look at the longest lived cultures on mm-hmm. earth and what they're doing. Yeah. Because if, if your goal at least is to avoid disease and live as long as possible, that's proven. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Abkhazia of Russia, the high mountains of Pakistan, mm-hmm. you got uh, Okinawa, Okinawa, Japan, yeah. Ikaria, Greece... Mm-hmm. All these like long-lived cultures, and what are they doing? Well, they're eating plant-based, they're exercising, relationships, etc., and a mm-hmm. little bit of, little bit of animal right, that's right, clean, right? right? That's available, and yeah, totally. Right. So that's a probably a good thing to fall back onto, and I think that a lot of people, what I've seen is this tradition of, you know, hey, I'm vegan, hey, I'm raw foodist, yeah, hey, I'm this thing, and yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. this pressure around it, and then a couple of years later, they're like, oh, well, I tried that. You know, and it's just like, well, maybe, you know, if you didn't just fully do it, allowed yourself a little bit of space and time and distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good to try on vegan. I think it's good to try on vegetarian. I think it's good to try on probably yeah. keto and mm-hmm. paleo and mm-hmm. maybe for people to go through these experiences. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's kind of I've stayed kind of within the, the vegetarian space sure. for 26 sure. years now. And that's amazing. And like I, I've been through the whole kind of gamut and and one of the big things even when I was veganish and, and vegetarian and really deep in the raw food thing um, I, I would notice particularly within the raw food community that there was so much division and even like psychological dispositions that I would and I would I was really I talked to David about this quite a bit especially in the beginning because I was really confused yeah. about certain people like maybe people like Doug Graham and, mm-hmm. and people that are more into like the 80 20 20 fruitarian ish yeah. um, and like hyper vegan focused yeah and they displayed personality traits that weren't really and even their body and, and dysmorphia and this anorexic orthorexic kind of behavior and then mm-hmm. very this like passive aggressiveness mm-hmm. And I was just like really curious, like if I keep eating raw food, am I going to become like that? (laughs) And I needed to figure out like how not to do that. That's right. Yeah. Loving and accepting. and Yeah. And also feel like fully grounded and healthy and vital in my body. Yeah. And so I just this was something that I just noticed. And then I started to realize that versions of this were going on all over the health community. But it seemed like the raw food community attracted certain more extreme personality types like addictive types yeah Yeah. and and then and and yeah and just the whole thing with like veganism and the identification and the politics around it um and that's a whole deep subject it's just super heavy yeah it's like yeah oh you did this you're out like you're not and everybody pointing their fingers like whoa which is enough to drive people out of it altogether yeah um and so i think one of the big things that i'm hearing is like 
the over identification with an external lifestyle diet fitness program um mentor coach Mm -hmm. container like anything relationship like anything that we identify and attach to externally and adopt as a belief system or our own kind of like way to orient our personal um uh whatever our our personal identification to be yeah this is who i am this is what i believe is my ism Right, my ism, yeah. yeah. That that's a slippery slope and that's dangerous and then and and that has nothing to do with health, right? <laughs> that that's the whole thing. Like this has nothing to do with health. Um yeah. we have to like start really getting more just able to tune into our physical body and the communication, the intelligence that our body is guiding us towards and trusting our own innate intelligence. Um, and then there's seasons and cycles is what you're, what you're communicating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and making that okay. You know, the problem with saying I'm an ism is if my cycle wants to naturally shift a bit, now I'm, uh, breaking my own religion. Right. Now, now I'm saying this isn't the God anymore and am I evil? And so that's, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that we need to avoid is, you know, this is what I love about the conversation of like, well, I'm more plant-based. I have a plant-based diet. It's it's more free and open to like, right, well, you right. know what? I really love plants and I really love life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is why also what I've loved about my father's work is he focuses on the seven principles. Mm-hmm. He's not just focused on vegetarianism or veganism. He, he does have strong opinions, but it's like, let's look at air. And because just that one principle of air, you can go so far and do so much for Mm -hmm. your health. Mm -hmm. Just the one principle of water, how, you know, what kind of water, where is it coming from? What are we doing to it? And are we having the right amounts? And are we using it externally and internally in Mm -hmm. ways that are purifying and amazing for our body? Mm -hmm. Sunshine, you know, are we embracing it? How much? Of course, there can be too much. And of course, there can be not enough. And everybody with cancer I've ever seen had a vitamin D deficiency. Right, right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So looking at all the principles, air, water, sunshine, movement, exercise mm-hmm. and flow and then whole foods mm-hmm. as a part of this whole you know pillars the seven principles which hold up you know principles like the foundation you know and then what are your relationships like and this is the thing just like you're saying that you notice like relationships are a major if mm-hmm. not the I, most I, important totally. principle totally. of health yeah, my relationship with my own partner is going to determine whether I'm healthy mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't matter what I eat. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Yeah. I can eat berries all day, and if we have poison in our relationship, yeah, I'm still going to have disease from eating berries and having this relationship. And that's I think the things that we've <laughs> noticed is that you know you know as as healthy as vegan could be for so many people to move into that sure. for a while, like if the relationships all around you are destroyed and you take on this thing where you're having all these problems with your parents and with people around you and not able to do certain things and Mm -hmm. restricted and also buying into this community that becomes potentially controlling or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the relationship factor is pretty much more outweighing what you're actually putting into your body. Mm -hmm. So I think having awareness on all these areas, you know, and then just to finish it up, like, you know, there is a level of passion um, that brings about a situation of learning too. So, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, it's funny that you mentioned the certain kinds that are coming in. It's like, well, this person was addicted to crack. This person was addicted to whatever it was. Right. And now they're using veganism totally. as their addiction. Yeah. Okay, well, that's way better than smoking meth yeah. every yeah. day or whatever <laughs> it is, right? So, okay, run with it. And be aware that it's also this kind of form of addictive nature that you yeah. need to be aware of. And look, this happens in everything. Everything. Like, I teach fasting. And so we have the crackheads of fasting. And it's great. And they're fasting and they're detoxing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a big conversation that I have is like, you need to fast from fasting. Right. You need right. to fast from fasting. Like, you've done all this stuff and you're always caught up and like eating a little bit. And then, oh, I need to do a fast. And oh, I need to detox. And oh, I need to cleanse. Like, mm-hmm. no. You need a regular schedule of nutrition right. for a year yeah, yeah. and not do any you need to fasting. learn how to eat again. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. be consistent with good quality <laughs> nutrition and build mm-hmm. yourself up. Because eating is building up and fasting is breaking down and they're natural mm-hmm. cycles. Mm-hmm. But if you're addicted in the breaking down process, you're going to get broken down 
to nothing and you know yeah. deficiencies can lead to some serious it's like problems. people that get addicted to trauma like healing mm. trauma it's like i'm always healing i'm always healing i'm always searching exactly. out the new trauma inside of me and, and un unearthing yeah. that and it's yeah. like everything you see gets filtered through that lens yeah totally and you have this addiction with trauma right and it's like same thing with cycles it's good to go in yeah. and become aware and express and whatever and then you know take a breath come back into life and it's like there's this dip that happens for people and then when they just get back into life eventually they're a little bit better mm -hmm. and then you might need to go into it again but we need to have these cycles of like i'm healthy i've clear a lot i'm good let's go to work yeah. let's be of service yeah. let's do things mm -hmm. and you'll be mm -hmm. at this higher level and so yeah like you know with what you're saying you know, people do get caught up in the hypochondrial, <laughs> like, I'm sick and help me and this mm. and that. And it's like, mm. at some point, you need to say, no, I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm good. I've done the work. Change the energy and the vibration mm. and, you know, <laughs> see if you can pick right. it up a bit. And start doing the things that a healthy person does. Totally. You want to be healthy do what healthy people do right right and and the energy will follow yes and that was like kind of what i appreciated about david wolf so mm -hmm. much is that his whole best day ever thing was like a really profound mantra for mm -hmm. him and he said that every day it's the best day ever yes because if i put that out there then the energy will follow and even when something happens and it's not the best ever it's other than the best ever yeah. somehow It'll shift. Somehow yeah. it'll turn. Tomorrow will. Where the be. whole day is going downhill, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Oh, this is this is the worst ever by far." <laughs> yeah. And then at some point in the day, yeah. it'll shift. Yeah, and it's a it's a good it's a good energy to have. And I you know I feel blessed in my life, you know, and you're probably experiencing mm -hmm. this as well. Where that is my life. I appreciate and have so much gratitude for all the things that I have in my life. It is like I you know I'm so lucky to be able to wake up every morning and, and have all the things that I have. And it really is the best now mm. ever mm. all the time. And yes, things come in as they do, you know, and they will. And I think that it gives you that little bit of like, okay, I'm in this moment and whatever. And mm. I know that it's not gonna, it's not gonna be here forever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Instead of my life is shit and this thing's bad and this is bad and I need to and I have to and mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. caught up in, in that energy. Mm -hmm. And this is probably, you know, rewinding back to the masterpiece mm -hmm. is like being in the presence of a master wakes you up because a master won't put up with that. Totally. You know, I've had people that I've coached like in person and they have this story and I literally, you know, I had this one guy, he 10 years, been to Pachikama. He's like this Jewish guy. His family mm. owns this restaurant in Byron Bay, like sushi, like all the money in the world and major, major sickness. He had something called psoriatic arthritis. And he was just so caught up in his story because he did this and he did this. And he for a whole year did these things and a whole year did these things and spent 100,000 mm. plus. And he could not. I did a consult. This guy flew to Bali mm. to do a consultation with me. Paid me $1,000 for an hour, flew to Bali, and for 45 minutes, he just... He was just spewing. Dumping and dumping and dumping and dumping and dumping. And I had 15 minutes left. I was like, look, man, you just spent... I, I literally couldn't get in a word. I tried to stop you. You were like, hold on. He was just so full on. Wow. And I was like, I cannot help you. I'm going to give you your money back. Have a nice day. And he's just like, what? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, just tell me, can you... Because he was sitting there like, who are you? And you think you can, I've done oh, this. Oh, wow. I, yeah, oh, like wow. full on what energy towards me. And I'm just like, dude, you flew here to talk to me, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he then at the end realized he just spent 45 minutes berating me about oh, all wow. his processes and had 15 minutes left. And I'm, he's like, can you help me? And I said, I believe and I know I could help you to heal 100%. But if, if you want that, do you, is that what you want? And you have to believe me, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, yes, I believe you. I said, okay, you have to shut the fuck up from this point on. Yeah. I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth. And you're going to come to my program, which starts tomorrow. I uh -huh, had a program uh -huh. starting. His friend was actually going to it. Yeah. It's a water fast for 10 days. Wow. You're going to go to that tomorrow. 
you're not going to question anything. I don't want to hear another negative thing out of your mouth <laughs> for the next three months. I'll coach you for three months. You're coming to my water fast and you will be healed. And I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth. And he's just like, okay, oh, wow. fully paid for the program, paid for my coaching. Three months later, this guy's feet were curled up from this psoriatic arthritis. Oh my God. His hands, he couldn't even open oh them. He was super emaciated. And like his skin was like red from like rashes and like mm. he looked like he was gonna die and he probably knew he was about to. That's why all that toxicity was coming out. Oh man. And like I, I put him in that state of nothingness yeah. into a ten day water fast. Why well, yeah, I was curious. And people would be like, What? You would fast somebody like so emaciated? Like, yeah, he needed to just Ooh. massively Ooh. clean all the acid out Ooh. of his body. So we had all the tools and all the things. Long story short, it probably took about six to eight months, but three months later, he could open and close his hands, wow. open and close his feet. He started doing push-ups, wow. and he was bright. He was like, yes, I know I can heal. You know? <laughs> he's like this uh, from Israel. He's like, Tyler, you are the best. I love you. You've saved my life. Like, Thank you so much. Like, Complete opposite. And in saying that, I, I just mentioned that story because sometimes... You just have to sh- shut up. That's right. Yeah. Don't say anything else mm-hmm. and mm. do this process mm. and you'll pull out of it. And sometimes mm. we need the master. We need the guide. We need the coaching support, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're so stuck in our story. It's just like recirculating and cycling and we need that pattern interrupt. Totally. Massive mm-hmm. event to really change things. Yeah. So I don't know if we've gone like two hours or... Yeah, we're... we're However long we've gone, we've gone incredibly deep. Mm-hmm. And this is just like such a profound journey that we've gone on. And for everyone listening, how, uh, what do you, what would you share to kind of like sum this up and integrate this for everyone listening? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. I would just say um, at the end of the day, um, if you're not already doing some form of major detoxification or have never experienced fasting it's mm-hmm. probably something that you should reach out and look into doing it properly mm. you know there are some things we need to look for as far as like deficiencies or sometimes some issues to be able to do a fast but i think that in this day and age that we live in if we could get a certain number of people really fasting and you know fasting has been around for thousands of years and it's like fast and pray and you can change the world And I think if we get enough people going through the awakening, purification, and activation process, that's what's being called of us. Mm -hmm. And I know that the trauma has waken up a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so those awakened people now that are seeing the truth, you know, obviously it happens in phases. And a lot of times people see the truth and then they get caught up in the negativity of the government and the pharmaceutical companies. That's also, you know, sometimes a rabbit hole people need to go down. Yeah. But then you got to get out of you that rabbit out of hole. That, yeah. And really step into the light. You know, if we get more people fasting, purifying themselves and becoming activated into their true mission, you know, and starting to share their inner magic and learnings mm. through the process, mm-hmm. it, it's going to create a big shift for the positive. And I am very optimistic. That's me by nature, sometimes a little bit too optimistic. And I feel like I've seen 2030. Um, And I do believe that the right people that hear this message and step into this process of purification and activation and their true mission of being here at a higher level of energy will still be here Mm -hmm. in 2030. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you can make it to 2030, it's this planet will be magical. Yeah, yeah. Will be peaceful, will be clean. The technologies uh, from what I've been able to see in my own experience, you want to be here in 2030. And if people don't, if they get caught up in the negativity and caught up in the fear and they don't go through this purification, awakening kind of process, they won't be here. And that's okay too. Um, but if they could, could make a choice, they would prefer to be here. <laughs> yeah. You got to do the work. You got, you got to step into the space. And I believe that fasting and purification and being conscious of nutrition Mm -hmm. and all the aspects that I'm talking about play a role. It doesn't have to happen all at once, 
but it's like constant seeking and, and you know wanting life mm-hmm. and dedicating your life to filling your own cup so that you can fill others cups you know take care of yourself nurture yourself build yourself so mm-hmm. that you can be of service to others mm-hmm. and that's that's the energy we're moving into amazing mm-hmm. yeah beautiful where can people find you tyler mm-hmm. get on our email list i'm always doing you know little web events and teaching the details of how to detox from mm-hmm. the vtox and mm-hmm. You know how to upgrade and I've recently gotten into the Egyptian the Jedi training mm-hmm. so I like to teach <clears throat> the Egyptian physical culture um, and the true history and mystery and where we're going as one potentiality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know I, I, I see a the Jedi reunion kind of happening mm-hmm. and actual like the Jedi Council and people embracing the physical Mm. and raising Mm -hmm. the Jed pillar yeah Yeah. and so you know we we do bow staff and and swords and all that double staff and but playful putting on some Mm -hmm. music and playing and getting into the energy and just teaching from basics to like you know taekwondo kicks and Mm -hmm. capoeira Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. just you know incorporating that into the ancient Egyptian physical culture yeah. uh, is what's going to keep us grounded and mm. keep the physical body fit and healthy enough uh, to get through really anything that's going to come our way. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, <clears throat> enjoy my time immensely with you. So good to drop in, in the physical and uh, what an incredible journey. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Love you, brother. Love you too, man.